Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode two of the Keynote Podcast. I'm your host, Solaris, or Phil, however you refer to me as. So I interview up-and-coming producers in the electronic music scene. And today, I'm joined by Midas, aka Inverted Silence. Hello. Midas is a producer from the Netherlands. He makes a lot of melodic music. He has official releases on labels such as Tasty Network, Lowly, and Megarex. He has an official remix for Ioban, and he has support from artists like Phonon and Voltra. Welcome to the show. Hello, I'm happy to be here. So let's get into some questions then. Uh, I was just looking at your Spotify, and I noticed that four out of the top five cities that uh, you have your listeners from, which are Chicago, Los Angeles, Atlanta, Seattle, and Sydney, actually, all five of those are not in the Netherlands. So how does it feel to kind of have like an audience that necessarily isn't it based in your country? Um, yeah, it is actually kind of a thing because there are a lot of people around me that uh, tend to indulge more into local scenes. Um, and I'm not really doing that. Um, yeah, it's uh, US cities, but that's also because uh, that's like Spotify's primary like user base sort of, I feel. Um, I also have a lot of listeners from Japan, um, but not much in Europe. Um, yeah, sometimes when I'm uh, just at home and, you know, I go outside, uh, it just feels like, you know, everything is kind of used to that because I, I used to go, um, you know, in high school, when I was still in high school a few years ago, I would also make music. I would hang out with people online and, you know, nobody around me would understand what it's like. In a way, it's still kind of like ended. Um, so when I'm uh, living my life the normal way, it just feels like the music scene is like a thing in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Except during ADE. So in the Netherlands where I live, uh, there's like a, a, I guess you could call it like a conference. It's like a, a free four day festival slash conference. And it's kind of, I call it like the Comic-Con of EDM. <laughs> um, and there's a lot of house people there. But usually during ADE, that's like when things suddenly feel real. Because then everybody will fly out to go visit ADE and network. And then, I mean, it's like right next to where I live. It's like less than an hour away. So then I go there and then I meet all these people. And then it's like, holy shit, actually, you know, the thing that I do is real. And it is affecting people and, you know. It's not just a number on my screen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I was about to go into a little bit about because you're in the Netherlands and ADE, especially with Dutch, like Dutch EDM. EDM seems to be pretty popular in the Netherlands, especially since you have a lot of really popular producers. I mean, for example, Martin Garrix is from the Netherlands. So, yeah, yeah, it's actually pretty strange because I feel like uh, culturally the Netherlands doesn't really care much about their artists. Um, uh, like as a, it's hard to explain, um, but it, it feels like, um, in the Netherlands, it's like, well, you're cool if you make a lot of money. <laughs> oh yeah. So like it's, when it, when it, and what sound is oh, popular yeah, too? Is it like something about popular sounds in, in the Netherlands then? Well, I guess, yeah. In the Netherlands, you do have a lot of house music, like more than in foreign countries. Um, and, you know, they're like spinning records is here, for example. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like the center of like future house in a way and, and big room. Um, but 
I find that it often feels like those sounds are like more internationally acknowledged as well. I mean, it's like on the radio here too. Um, but Martin Garrix is like the musical brainchild, but mostly because he's just really internationally famous. Mm -hmm, and of course. sometimes I'll look around on social media and I'll find uh, musicians and game developers from the Netherlands that make really cool stuff. And then, you know, they don't really get the same acknowledgement at all just because they're not making a lot of money. That's kind of what it feels like sometimes to me. Yeah, um, yeah but so, it's not too bad, <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, so because of that, like I was about to go into how just kind of you don't necessarily make like a lot of that like festival house music, but you kind of make a little bit more of like kind of a, I guess, glitch hop kind of electro house kind of stuff with a lot of jazz influence, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how would you say, how did you get into producing? Let's start off with that. Okay, so the way I got into music production is um, I was in high school, obviously, and, you know, puberty kicked in. I was like 13 <laughs> at the time, and I started feeling kind of insecure about myself, as everybody does when they hit puberty. It's a normal thing. <laughs> um uh, but what's interesting is, uh, at the time, uh, I'd spent a bunch of time playing uh, a lot of Minecraft, like a lot of Minecraft, and uh, that's how I learned English. So I would just go in chat, like, how fly, and then through that I would learn how to speak English. So my English was pretty good for like a 13-year-old Dutch person, so I did the first few years of high school in English, and I would continue playing Minecraft, and one thing I would do in there is... I didn't just want to play the game, I wanted to make content in the game. So I would, you know, make maps and servers and stuff for servers and then obviously because I didn't have anywhere to host that stuff, I would just leave my laptop open and then like my free online friends would play on it. That's kind of <laughs> what I spent all my time doing. But then at school it was like, well, you know, this skill is fun and all, but it kind of feels like it's not real. Um <laughs> Yeah, uh, I was just like, well, I'm I'm only good at something that you can do in a very specific scenario with a very specific <laughs> type of people. And now I'm in the school and now I'm like super boring. So I wanted to find a hobby that, you know, was more universal and more interesting. Um, so I was listening to Noise Storm at the time. I actually got into EDM through Noise Storm and not like Skrillex or something. Um also, a big first EDM artist I listened to was uh, back then known as Caution and Crisis. They made drum and bass remixes of the Minecraft OST. Chime. Uh, and He's now one Chime. One of those yeah. two people is now Chime, yes. Um, which is really funny um, <laughs> to me. Like, that's crazy. So I was listening to that stuff just because I was an internet kid, right? And I was like, well, I guess I'll try and make some of this myself. Because this is kind of funny. They They had this, like video on YouTube, it had a title like The Ultimate Dubstep Mix or whatever. Uh, and they would just like DJ like 45 minutes of like dub bro step basically and like drum and bass and stuff like melodic stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't really know how track lists work. So I would just listen to that video. Like I would go YouTube to MP3 and listen to the video. And uh, I really liked they had this one mashup between um, what is that song by Skrillex called again? 
uh it doesn't really matter they had a mashup between a melodic song and like a bass song and i thought that was the coolest stuff ever and i looked at them on the video and i've like chime is like i don't know like five years older than me i'm like 21 he's probably like 28 or 27 i don't know um but he looks kind of young and back then he also looked young so I was he still looks the, the same <laughs> yeah yeah I was watching the video and I was like wow this guy looks like my age so if he can do it I can do it too and that's why I started you know trying to get into music production actually just because of that video um which is yeah I only got into Skrillex and all of those things that people around me would listen to because obviously I would go online try to meet uh, EDM producers to talk to uh, which was a bit more difficult at the time than it is now. Because, you know, nowadays you can just join a Discord server um, mm -hmm. uh, from somebody's Twitter bio. But back then, I would just DM people on SoundCloud and put them in a Skype group together and then see what happens. <laughs> and uh, uh, they would all be into, you know, like the big artists at the time. And I would have no idea what their songs were because I got into electronic music from a different direction or at least like uh, dubstep stuff. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of how I got started. And how did you necessarily like find your kind of style of music? I know you kind of talk a lot about a lot about it in like your bios, especially like on your website and on your Spotify and all that. You kind of talk a little bit about how it's kind of a mixture of like melodic sounds and heavy sounds, but how necessarily did you find your style? Okay, so it's actually. Um... Uh, I, I went through a whole bunch of different things and one thing that I wanted to do from the get-go was uh, make a large variety of different genres um, because uh, I looked up to people like uh, uh, AU5 and uh, Virtual Riot. Those are like the big classic ones that everybody mm -hmm. listened to at the time and I was no different. Um, also, Volant was a big one when I was 14. Um, they would all make a whole bunch of different genres and release them, at, like semi-melodic, semi-heavy. Uh, and I thought it was really cool to just be able to make anything, right? You just want to make this type of song and you do it. So I always went in from the mindset, okay, I want to be able to produce uh, as like uh, a big variety of genres as possible. Um, so I was really bad for a very long time. Uh, probably a lot longer than people who focused in on making just one thing. Um, and through that, I kind of uh, made a bunch of like virtual variety bass music. I made like bass house and like glitch music and all that stuff. And I would just try and try until I got better at it. Um, and then eventually, um, uh, one of my bigger inspirations early on was Haywire as well with his twofold part one album and also twofold part two and all that stuff. Um, and he would have these jazzy chord progressions. Uh, and I was like, wow, that has so much depth to it. Like that's so interesting to listen to and way more interesting than the stuff I can write now. So I would try to figure out, okay, so how do you, you know, get this sound in your music? Like how do you reach that atmosphere? Um, and it would take me a very long time to figure that out, but basically uh, I got into music theory through video game music. Um, so when I was a kid, 
my uncle was a huge internet pirate. <laughs> <laughs> he actually got in trouble uh, with like a huge bill um, because he was seeding like everything. And uh, he, when I was a kid, he handed me this USB stick with every SNES game ever on it. <laughs> like, it was just like a 32 gigabyte uh, USB stick. And it was like, well, here is every SNES ROM and an emulator. And then I couldn't <laughs> figure out how to set it up because I was like seven. Like, come on. Uh, so then the next time he helped me set that up and he explained to me how it worked. And then as a kid, I played through the SNES library, uh, even though it's like kind of before my time, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel like in a way I've kind of, you know, been playing since, you know, the 16-bit era, sort of. Like, that's how I got into video games. And uh, that sound and that atmosphere of, like, Japanese game music feels very homely to me. Like, it's interesting. So, in hindsight, it's not that crazy that I started pursuing that. You know, when I heard jazz music in Haywire's uh, compositions, I was like, wow, this is really interesting. Um, so then it was, like, 2018 or 2017 or something that I kept getting better and better at, you know, using jazz in my music. Um, and so uh, after a while, I started pursuing the video game music sound in a literal way, because before then I was just trying to do jazz, basically. Um, so then at some point I went, well, video games have some of these like really big tracks that people really like. And those are always like catchy, funky songs, right? Mm -hmm. if you think about like Sonic CD or, um, uh, like or even like a lot of Nintendo games in general, like a lot of just like the like when you think of like the Mario theme or the Zelda theme. Yeah, yeah. I guess the Zelda theme is like heroic, but there are some games that have like bangers, right? Like, uh, I mean, I with a lot Mania of the Sonic, just a lot of those like Sega games that have a lot of yeah. this kind of electronic influence to um, them in general. Exactly. Uh, so, so I wanted to pursue that sound um so i transcribed a crap ton of video game music <laughs> so what i would do is i would just grab like a piece of video game music that i liked with a cool chord or you know whatever i was listening to there's i'm skipping over a lot of stuff but this is like the gist of it and i would try to reverse engineer how it was written and then after a while i got a feel for it and then i could write like that um so it was like 2018 2019 that I started writing basically just video game music with EDM production. Uh, and that's what my style is now. So yeah, it's like uh, VGM with the, with like electronic EDM uh, uh, elements to it, mm -hmm. I guess. And that sort of became the inverted silence staple. Um, yeah. yeah, that's how we're here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So did you have any like musical background necessarily before you kind of got into music production or is like music production your kind of first endeavor you've ever had into music? Um, so uh, my parents, they do do creative work, but not musical creative work. They're, I don't have any musicians in my family, um, uh, but my dad is a graphic designer. So, you know, I I was around computers my whole life uh, because of him. Um, and so, uh, one time in primary school, I went, uh, to take drumming class because one of my friends took drumming class and he was cool. So I was jealous that he was a drummer. So <laughs> I was like, Hey, I want to do some drumming too, maybe. And my dad was like, are you serious? You want some drumming? And I was like, yeah, well, well, 
you know, I kind of want to do it because my friend is the hot shit because he's a drummer. So I went to try out drumming and I played drums for a few years. Um, but that was basically all the musical context I had before I started producing. So I did like basic drums. Uh, and then in 2017, I started playing piano, um, which is, you know, the new instrument. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, this summer, I actually graduated like the first year of like jazz piano college. Uh, I played in a, a a band with three other people from my school. And, you know, we had to like do a concert of an hour. Uh, so, so a lot of time went into that this year. Uh, but now I'm pretty confident in my piano playing skills, which is kind of awesome um, because I feel like piano does fit me much more. Uh, but I didn't really get to, you know, actually have musical education until I, you know, was 18, 19, 17 years old. So um, probably like once you got to university then? Yep. Yep. All right. So how about your production kind of process and your workflow? Like, how does that go? For example, like your most popular tune on Spotify is Send Off. Uh, yeah. Where is it? Yeah, it's set off. Yeah, uh, how did a how did the production process work for a tune like send off? Um, so basically, uh, how I write the inverted silence tunes, um, I specify this because I make a lot of stuff <laughs> that people <laughs> don't really see. Um, but the way I make this kind of music is I make a jam in piano, so I just have a project with a piano, and then I write some cool chords. Um, starting uh, from the bass notes. So I like make some bass line and then I harmonize that bass line. And then based on that, I write a melody on top of that. And then I use um, uh, like a melody form. So I choose the type of call and response that I'm going to use. Um, because uh, one time I did a study in Zelda music, I was thinking, all right, well, what music has really good hooks, right? It's Ocarina of Time. Yep. Everybody can memorize every single song on that soundtrack. Now, why is that? Why is are the melodies on the Ocarina of Time soundtrack so memorable? Um, and it was actually mostly because of a game design element and also because the composer is very good. But yeah, Koji Kondo, game, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Koji Kondo is awesome. Mm -hmm. um, but if you don't know, you can... Uh, in Ocarina of Time, there's an instrument that you can play uh, and throughout the game, you learn songs. And then if you play those songs with your controller, you get to do certain things in the game. Now, the Ocarina instrument plays pentatonic skill. Uh, so you can play um, basically five notes on the piano. Uh, and all of the melodies in that game soundtrack are... Uh, so basically, when you learn a song to play, it's a motif from each of the areas or characters, their themes in the game. Um, so the way... Uh, that was arranged is it's like a three note pattern or a four note pattern that repeats twice and then there's a variation or uh, it's uh, so that it would be easy to memorize and play on a controller basically um, and then in the background music in the game uh, Koji Kondo would uh, take those motifs the three or four note pentatonic motifs that you could play on the controller and work them into a longer arrangement so then if you're thinking, well, I need something with the forest, you'll memorize the music from the forest and then play that on your controller. Uh, and so uh, the reason the Ocarina of Time music is so memorable is because those themes are very short, uh, memorable motifs that are repeated in certain patterns. 
and uh, out of that rolled like two or three different ways. And usually when I tackle writing a melody, I think about this. Um, so the way the call response is done in uh, music I really like. And then I use that to write a melody. So for example, uh, ABAC form is like uh, you call, then you have a response, then you call again, and then you have a different response. And then that kind of melody flow is very catchy. Uh, so in Sendoff, I did just that. Um, I made the chords and then I wrote a melody like that. And then when I have something that sounds really fun and, you know, to listen to on the piano, I start to produce the sound of the song. Uh, so I make uh, drums and bass and, you know, sounds, pads, hi-hats, crashes, risers, you know, all that stuff. And I basically turn it into a fully-fledged production. Uh, and then I make the rest of the arrangement. So that's usually how I go about making my music. That's really cool. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a different listening experience, of course, going from, like, video game music and EDM. Have you actually made any, like, video game music? Uh, yeah, this year, actually, I made a whole bunch of video game music um, because I was trying to learn about uh, orchestration and the like. Um, so I have a small portfolio with video game music. It's like uh, six or seven tracks uh, within different genres um, because I, yeah, like I said, I really want to be able to do a large variety of different styles. So uh Lately, I've been doing a lot of practice, um, and uh, one of the reasons for that is um, I feel like with the way inverted silence music is now, I've kind of boxed myself into certain patterns or like cliches in a way. Um, and when I started out making music, I would do uh, a lot of, uh, you know, like bass music, or I would have some like big ideas that I couldn't properly execute. Uh, and recently this year and last year, I've been thinking about how I can actually make those things happen. Um, there's music that I want to listen to that does not exist. So I need to make it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and, and so uh, I've been making a lot of music behind the scenes that doesn't really see the light of day as like a uh, a, a, a ramp up to like something new and interesting, but that is still in the works. Uh, and tackling orchestration in video game music was just one of those parts. So, well, do you think that those tracks will be seen in the light of day and will be like released as inverted silence tracks in the future? Then, um, I don't. I haven't really decided what to do with them yet. That's the thing. <laughs> Um, I recently did a live show in Osaka, but virtually because of COVID regulations. Um, the label owner uh, of Megarex, Poyoshi, uh, he was organizing an event in Japan called Rave Tyson. Um, and I was invited to play there, which was awesome. <laughs> uh, so I made a, a video. They, they would like project the video onto the wall in the club. That's kind of how I appeared, like Hatsune Miku. Um, <laughs> Uh, and uh, in that set, I put a whole bunch of stuff that I had lying around that kind of fit my current sound more in like a more aggressive way. So that set is like full of like different IDs that I made in the last year. Um, uh, some of which I can't release for a variety of different reasons. For example, I get a lot of school assignments and stuff because I go to music school um, and then they would have a vocal in it that I don't own. 
and then you know what are you gonna do with that track of course um i've been thinking of putting some of that stuff just uh, up on soundcloud just to see you know if people want to listen to it um but it's not like the big release thing that you're looking for if you're trying to do something uh if you can't like publish it in a big way so that's why they're kind of sitting on the back burner i might turn them into twitter videos i don't know yet yeah so i guess uh what's then your goal with creating music then my goal with creating music uh, like what do you want how do you want like of course yeah you want your audience to like your music but is there like anything else that you would want your audience like is there something you'd like want them to feel or something is there any like underlying meanings to any of your tracks that you would want the listeners to understand um well um for me personally uh it's just that i'm kind of sad that the sound is dying out um so i feel like uh a lot of music that's being released and that's popular it's been getting better lately but there was a period uh where it there wasn't really a lot of room for you know uh, interesting melodic ideas and like nuance on that field um because I feel like if you have slightly more interesting harmony but easy to follow hooks, uh, your music can have a lot more depth. Uh, and I feel like the last time that happened in electronic music in a big, big way was like uh, Haywire's old stuff and maybe Koan sound. And, you know, lately there's other people doing that like Phonon and, you know, a bunch of Japanese artists are actually killing it. Um, but it's like a niche, right? Mm -hmm. Um that's something that I really love and it's really dear to me. Uh, and whenever I hear that, it like light livens up my day. And I hope that one day more people will feel the same way about music. Um, that uh, So to elaborate on that a bit, uh, a lot of music that comes from Asia, like Japan and uh, South Korea, uh, or people who produce music for those audiences, uh, there tends to be a lot more... Uh, lenience in what you can do melodically um, because people they are more open to that sort of thing um, and that's why there's a lot of music from Japan and Korea and you know all those people that produce there that I really really like um, and uh, yeah there's a, just a, a hole there in, in, in electronic music like EDM stuff where people are not really doing that sort of style right now uh so yeah one day i i hope uh the fusion thing will pick up and uh go somewhere uh oh yeah another good example is volume volume does a really mm -hmm. great job at it too you've probably heard of his music yeah i just uh, yeah his crazy ep that he released on inspected recently mm -hmm, it's really <laughs> good yeah i was really happy to hear that listeners if you haven't checked out that ep yet if you haven't checked out the dayscapes ep on inspected by volume go check it out it is insane. Volume is crazy. Crazy up and yeah. cover. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I guess you could extend that idea, um, which is something I've played around with in the past, where if you uh, fuse more things together in interesting ways, um, you can create more nuance uh, in 
your sound. Like, I feel like if you have like a more, you know how when people write for musicals and stuff, mm -hmm. they have this like very cliche, like classical, you know, story I sound. I did theater in high school, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. You know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Mm -hmm. And then that kind of sound really conveys a whole bunch of like dramatic emotions for the theater show. Uh, and I feel like that kind of palette, especially when you introduce, you know, jazz theory is um, more nuanced than just having a, 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 a four chord like loop thing going on. If the melodic tension curve is longer, it's more like more interesting and you can say more. Um, and I feel like lately with the Internet, where everybody's trying to like be the hot shit and have like the loudest, like biggest pop production uh, you know hyper pop is kind of like that where it's like all right well we have the vocal hook um you're kind of missing that like nuance in a way because it's the music is like a vehicle for something else mm -hmm. um instead of it trying to tell a story on its own and it it kind of aligns with you know where people are going in general right now it feels like uh on social media and like discord and you know all digital communication everything is either a or b right and the thing in between where the tension curve is uncertain uh that's the thing that for some reason is very underappreciated uh and that's why i make the music the way i do i think mm -hmm. it's really cool that you're trying to you know bring in kind of a a kind of i guess in a, in a way a middle ground kind of if the way you're talking about with this whole kind of you know in kind of this digital world especially in the music world in the production edm scene it's either like heavy music or it's melodic music and you're kind of right there in that middle ground which is really cool to see yep exactly mm -hmm. um so you did mention like haywire cohen sound and i'm gonna circle back to when you're talking about japan your show in japan your digital show that you did in Japan. Uh, so you talk on your bio about being inspired by artists such as Haywire and Cohen Sound. They put on like really cool live performances. Have you ever thought about, you know, kind of having a live performance of that nature and not necessarily doing a DJ set? Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, I've been thinking about that a lot, uh, actually. Um, so... Um, one of the big reasons why I studied jazz piano and why I spent so much time playing the piano in the last two years is because I want to be able to perform the complicated arrangements that I'm making for myself because that was starting to become a problem. Um, I would write something really cool and then I wouldn't be able to perform that in an interesting way because it was just too fast. Um, and I feel like if you're doing a DJ set, you're kind of not really connecting with the audience in the same way as when you're actually live performing, especially if you've played with a band, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. um, there's something to that experience that I think is is like kind of understated. And there are a lot of people doing like drum pad stuff and stuff, but uh, piano is really for me, especially since I'm so obsessed with, you know, harmony and stuff. Um, so yeah, yeah, I would like to do like a piano performance. Uh, of my own music in the future. Um, although my, I, yeah, uh, one, one thing that I'm currently working on, um, back in the day, I used to ha make a lot more like bass music stuff, like things that present itself as bass music. 
Um, and right now I'm working on uh, bringing that back. A very large reason why I stopped doing that is actually because Lucy, uh, aka Voltra, uh, we would talk in DMs a lot, and she would tell me that my bass music is really bad. <laughs> <laughs> and because of that, I stopped making bass music. Um, and in the last uh, two years or so, I've been making a lot of bass music, and it's been reaching a point where it's actually good, and Lucy thinks it's good, and I think it's good. Um, so I'm currently working on some new stuff where I bring that side of my interests back uh and i would like to you know perform that music on keys as well um because it's like way more interesting than sitting in the dark behind a dj booth you get, you get to be up front in everyone's face with your you know your everything um so, something i've uh some a live performance i find really inspiring is actually madion's because he does that uh mm -hmm. although he sings which is better than playing a, a, a an instrument because if you're singing in a way you're like you have nothing to hide behind not even your instrument right and you're um, really connecting with the audience that way too by you know bringing out vocals which of course you understand the we as humans because we speak and we understand words so singing of course is really what's connected to the audience that's what Maddion's really doing there yeah, yeah, and I I think that really works alongside the time coded visuals. It's like all really great, and uh, uh, I I would like to work to reach that level of quality as well, someday. Yeah. So then, segueing into the whole thing about visuals for your most recent track, Snowfall, which was actually a track that was originally made for the All Nighters Six event, but you later said that you took a little bit more time to release thing, uh, a little bit more polished. And on your Twitter and on your Instagram, you put up a brief little animated music video that goes along yes. with the art. Uh, so I've talked to a couple other music producers, and I'm friends with some who make their own covers as well. Would you say that that kind of plays in your music workflow, that you kind of have a lot more freedom as an artist because you make some of your own art graphically? Um, well, I don't really consider myself to be much of a, uh, of a, of a, like a visual artist. Um, when I do it, I feel like it's more of a necessity than a medium to like properly convey my music. That's one of the things that I feel like I need really need to improve uh, in my current project. Um, you'll find that in my in this interview, I've been talking a lot about uh, my own work in past tense, and that's because I've been internally reworking a whole lot of stuff um, to improve in the future. And this is one of those things that I really want to work on um, because in a way music is kind of undervalued and how you present it is almost more important than how it sounds, right? I, mm -hmm. You might agree with that or you might not, but that's well, like, yeah, because there are people who are, you know, crazy talented who simply just aren't getting enough recognition. Yes, exactly. And that's usually only to do with how they present their work. And I feel like my art is passable and my visuals are passable, but they're by no means uh, you know, professional grade. I feel like if I had visuals for my music, I'd want them to be at least as good as somebody... Like, I spent all my time thinking about my music, so then if I got visuals, I'd want them to be at the quality standard of somebody who spends all their time thinking about visuals, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, in the, in the future, I would really like to work together with somebody who really knows what they're doing. Um, and I, I do have an interest in uh you know visuals and animation and i did 
follow a bunch of drawing courses so I can, you know, make some cool drawings and process them. And that's how I did the visuals for my Rave Tyson show. So I just made a bunch of stuff in After Effects and I composited like 40 minutes of visuals. Um, uh, and that's what you yeah, do with it, Snowfall too, right? Yeah, that's what I did with Snowfall too. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of just, I, I feel like uh, with the drawing stuff, it's just something that I'm naturally decent at. And it's a way for me to like make something that fits the atmosphere of what I'm putting out and I can do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> so that, yeah. that's the, the platform of the style. That's what it means to me, yeah. at least. And so, yeah, to elaborate on how you mentioned earlier about how you've been talking about a lot of your work in the past tense, are you maybe trying to foreshadow a rebrand or something or? Um, it really depends on how everything goes down. Um, I will keep most of this under wraps, but yes, there's a very good chance that there will be a rebrand. It might even be a silent rebrand. Uh, so one that you don't see. I'm yeah, just so, going to be a different person. So it's just <laughs> like a completely new alias, not necessarily like a name change. It's just going to be a secret alias or something is what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. So then I guess we'll kind of talk about you currently. Um, you did, you have mentioned on some of your bios, on your public bios, about where kind of inverted silence and like what necessarily it means. I just kind of want to know, how did you come up with that? Like, where did you, where did that come from? Um, so originally when I was, so I have had this name for a really long time. I've released music as Inverted Silence since like 2013, 2014. Is that the only um, name you've ever released under or have you had any other names? That you've released under? I had another name, but I only had it for like two months. Okay. So I've basically <laughs> always been Inverted Silence. Uh, let's just leave it at that. All right. <laughs> and, uh, I um, won't go into more detail than that. Don't worry. <laughs> um, originally, I thought I was going to be a dubstep alias. Um, and so inverted silence was just going to be loud. Um, and then uh, as time went on, my philosophy on music and what I think is valuable in music changed to be more nuanced um, than that. And I found a way to fit that into the same name um, in a way because it's uh, ambiguous. Uh, and in a way, I've always really liked ambiguity and nuance uh, and like combinations between things that are opposites. Um, so that's something that I'll never let go. But yeah, as for that name, I just thought it was better than calling yourself loud. Uh, that's how that's I came fair. up with it at the time. Yeah, and it's good, like, you know, SEO, search engine optimization, so, yeah. Yes, it's not something somebody else was using, so it was yeah. pretty easy. If you Google so, inverted silence before it was around, it would turn up basically empty, so that was mm -hmm. nice. So then, even with not being the largest producer, but you're still kind of, I guess, on the rise, and you're known by a lot of people in this community, and especially with, like, a lot of my friends who are really just listen to a lot of these underground producers. How would you say your connection with your fans necessarily is? My connection with my fans? Yeah, like you uh, have a public Discord server and you, you're pretty active in there, but how would you necessarily, you want to kind of talk a little bit more, like how, how would you talk about your connection with your fans? Uh, well, 
my, that's actually something I've never thought about. Did you know that? Because <laughs> um, I'm just Keeping like, you on well, your feet. I, I, I put I put out cool work, and then people listen to it as they think it's interesting. Um, yeah, my connection with my fans. Um, I was talking about like why my Discord server was around the other day. I remember not having one for a very long time because I was like, well, every artist has a Discord server, and I like know so many people. So if you want to talk to me, like I'm here. Like it's not that hard to reach out to me. Um, so I'm not gonna, you know, make yet another music producer Discord server. Like who's waiting for that? That's how I felt. And then one day I was like, well, I guess I should make my own Discord server. Um, it was partially uh, that I didn't want to be at the mercy of uh, algorithmic timelines. Um, <laughs> it's like a, a mailing list, right? I looked into mailing lists, but email is like old. <laughs> that's that's fair. That's why I reached out uh, to you via Discord. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I actually have like everybody reaching out to me through Discord. Emails are kind of rare um, nowadays. Uh, yeah, so when I made the server, I originally just wanted it to be a lot like Snail's House's server, because that's where I used to hang out. Uh, so Snail's House's server had a, a large cultural influence on everybody, because there was a, a large influx of weeaboos in that server, um, because of, you know, Ujiko's audience. Uh, and in there, we people would talk about, you know, the differences between their countries and, you know, that kind of thing. And I thought that was kind of cool. Um, so when I when I made my server, I kind of wanted it to be the same thing. Uh, and in a way, it kind of is. Like nowadays, there's like definitely uh, an inverted silence Discord like subculture happening where people <laughs> get into certain things because of each other and because of me. Um, but it it's I think having a Discord server is kind of interesting because. In a way, the way people are in the server is like a reflection of yourself, but exaggerated. Um, so, like, if you're sometimes immature, then people are going to be immature. If you're really into this, then people are going to be into that thing more than you are, probably. Um, and that's been a very interesting experience. Um, uh, as for people outside of Discord, because obviously Discord is a very, like, niche still. Like, there are probably a lot of people that know my music that are not discord users um and so uh on twitter uh i actually had a lot of issues with you know how to communicate with people um on there because i wasn't really i for for a long time my twitter really blew up because of life enhancement suite we've not talked about that yet um but for We're a long time even, yeah for a long time and even in a way still today uh, I'm not quite sure how I need to deal with that. <laughs> so I'm still kind of finding a way to communicate with my fans and, and uh, how to, you know, put myself out there in a way that I don't think is annoying. Um, and I've spent a lot of time talking about this with Foldant. There are a lot of people online that just go, well, I'm making history right now and I'm doing the biggest, most epic thing right now. Look, I'm doing this. And then because... Because you keep saying that you're the best, you're the best. And it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way. So how do you do that if you don't want to do that? It's complicated, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and it's something every artist has to fight with. Because I think inherently music producers are introverts. Or at least somewhat, you know, 
with their head in the clouds. We're just all really then, nerdy. Yeah, and really nerdy. <laughs> so then, you know, if you have to market yourself like that, it's very hard to like feel genuine about that. And it's like a constant struggle. Like, are you going to be like an internet personality or are you going to be an artist? Like, what are you going to mm -hmm. do? Um, yeah, but I feel like with that whole kind of thing and just communities in general, and since we're all kind of like the same, we're all, like you said, just really naturally just introverted. Some of us are a little bit more extroverted than others, but we're also just all really nerdy and just have a lot of similar interests. Like, for example, a lot of us people from music came from gaming. For example, you you came from, you know, M Minecraft and Zelda. Uh, yep. But yeah, so like we all kind of, I guess we all kind of, grew up the same way which kind of leads us all to kind of have very similar interests for sure yes absolutely mm -hmm. nice explorers of the internet oh my god of course <laughs> <laughs> were you expecting this i was not expecting this but go ahead okay explorers of the internet what exactly are you allowed to tell us about it um well, basically, as much as I want. Um, Explorers of the Internet is uh, a meme page on SoundCloud with audio <laughs> jokes. And it's run by me, a bunch of online friends, and a bunch of IRL friends, um, <laughs> including Lucy. Um, me and Lucy started Explorers of the Internet. Basically, as long as I've been around, I've been posting garbage on SoundCloud. Um, and Explorers of the Internet was just the next chapter in that. Um, there was an old label page that Lucy had lying around and it was deprecated uh, and it became Explorers of the Internet. Initially, the URL extension was imside, which is like one of Lucy's old aliases. So then if people would go on Dubstep Gutter and they would click on the link in the description, they'd just get a bunch of garbage instead of the actual music. That was the idea. Um, and since then, a lot of stuff has happened. Uh, about eight to 900 tracks of stuff have happened <laughs> uh, and now the url is no longer that and it's like its own thing but initially it was just a placeholder okay yeah i just kind of wanted to mention that because it seems to be really kind of popular amongst like some of my friends are just like oh explores the internet that's that page that you know vulture runs and then there's like a bunch of inverted silent send-off memes on there <laughs> uh yeah actually a lot of people were accusing me of posting those to like advertise myself so I guess I can talk a little bit of how it works behind the scenes. Uh, so Explorers of the Internet is an invite-only garbage posting page. I guess you could call it a collective, but then if you do that, you start to get into A&R territory, and then there needs to be somebody who decides what, what's funny enough. It's a huge <laughs> problem that I'd like to avoid. Um, so that's why it's invite-only. Uh, because if people are submitting stuff for the page, then, you know, how do you decide what's funny? Uh, that's not really a thing. So I actually greatly encourage people to make their own pages on SoundCloud for this stuff. And if it's funny, we'll repost it. Like if we come across it, cause we do. Um, uh, and yeah, so there's like, I think at this point there's 23 or 24 people that have access to the account and they just post stuff on it. And for a very large portion of the time, none of us have any idea who uploaded what. Um, <laughs> so with the send-off memes, it was actually other people doing that. And oh, I was okay. That because I would check the page and I would just go like, wait, who did this? Because like, this is <laughs> hilarious. And then 
I guess it just caught on and it like became a thing. Uh, <laughs> and I am guilty of posting a few send-off uh, memes myself. I think I've posted like two or three, but there's like 24. So I don't know what's going on there. Uh, yeah, a large portion of the time I actually don't know whose posts there are. And that's part of the fun because I go on exports of the internet like everybody else. Uh, not knowing, like, what's what. I mean, I can do a good guess who posts what, but it's always a guess. So, yeah, yeah. that's how it works. <laughs> I'm happy I brought that up and that you kind of gave us a little bit more insight into what Explorers of the Internet is really all about. Um, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, so since we're kind of wrapping up here, I just got a couple just kind of questions for you, just kind of general questions. What do you wish you had known when you started out producing? Just yeah oh uh what do i wish i had known when i started out producing um i think the main thing that i wish somebody had told me is to not worry about sounding like references when i started out producing and i should clarify something i hear people do often when they start out and they want to make loud aggressive music is they over compress their masters and actually doing that kind of mixing is like an art of its own and when i stopped doing that i started improving really fast so if you're starting out with music production uh try to just work with nothing but a limiter at zero db gain on your master and make your song sound good that way and that way you'll be better than everybody else really fast because you have to do things the proper way that's my tip because because of that i feel like I lost a bunch of time that I could have used to, you know, get better faster. If somebody just told me that I should not work with a master, even though it might be more fun, you should not do it. That's my advice. Is there anything that you're, you still want to learn a little bit more about with production? Um, yes, recently I've been really thinking about uh, color base, actually. Um, I've been trying to find ways to make a uh, color base that's more uh, interesting because people, they vocode their sounds or they use a uh, convolution reverb or a resonator or delays to add melodic resonances to their sounds. Uh, and I feel like there has to be a better way to do that. Um, so that's what I've been looking into. I'm okay. curious about if there's like a good way to do that. Yeah. Any color-based producers, make sure to hit up Meet Us. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm yeah. interested. <laughs> All right. Is there anything that you want to tell us about the future that I guess we didn't cover already? Um. Yes. Uh, keep an eye out. <laughs> <laughs> I will wow. be around. I might not have a lot of stuff coming up at this moment, but... I am definitely working on some great things and I'm really looking forward to sharing it with the world. <laughs> well, I'm I'm super excited personally to hear what you've got going on and I re really also appreciate having you on the show today. Yeah, I had a good time. Your questions were good too. I'm Solaris. This is the Keynote Podcast. Thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, be sure to give us a follow on streaming services or if you're on YouTube, subscribe, like the video, do all that stuff. Uh, and thanks for stopping by. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Have a nice day. <laughs>